welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. see a strong theme this morning about the love of God and you know I love the scriptures that just talk about being rooted and grounded in the love of God the truth that God loves you it's a lot like the truth that God loves you is a lot like the truth that the Bible is the word of God you know you believe it it's true but yet it's something that like I've said about the Bible I believe it more this year than I did last year I'll believe it more next year than I do this year it's true, but, you know, the reality of it just gets stronger and real. Same with the love of God. You know, I know that God loves me, but have I plumbed the depths and the heights and the width and the length yet? No, I haven't. I just know that he loves me. But there is a call to just go further in the love of God, to behold it, to remember, to be established in that love. Let it secure you. It, it casts out fear. And there's something about just knowing that God loves you, regardless of who's doing what, that can... Um, just uh, root you and ground you and, and strengthen you. So this morning we're going to go ahead and get started, and this is going to be, we're going to be kind of going into a new topic um, this morning, but as we do, we're going to be kind of dovetailing from, from a previous topic, a series that we've had last month, and uh, we're just going to use that as a quick jump-off point for where we're going next. Um, this is the Apostle Paul, and we kind of were visited this when we had a series that was basically called Walking in the Spirit. And there's a great promise, walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But here was the kind of the problem and solution here. The apostle Paul is saying, what I'm doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I will not to do, if, if, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. And he goes on to say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You can see this exercise, and you look at Romans 7. I will to do, I will, I will, I will. And he just, in his will, his will has good intentions. But there's not power in his will to perform that which is good. But we see a promise then, a conclusion. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we saw that the Apostle Paul found the solution to his problem, found the, the answer to his question, who's going to deliver me? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. And so we looked at that last, really last month. We said in the same way I had to come to the conclusion, I can't save myself. I need a savior. I can't save myself. I need help. We have to come, you know, you have to come to that conclusion when you don't know the Lord to get saved. Once you're saved, you have to come to another conclusion. Not only, you know, can I not save myself, I can't live for a holy God in simply the strength of my own willpower. I need help. I need help to live for God. Because if all I'm left with is truth and will, I'm back under the law. Jesus didn't die to keep me here. He provided something, a law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that makes me free from the law of sin and death. 
There is a spiritual power and strength that is part of this new covenant. And so we found out that, you know, it's possible to live free from the power of sin. And we really had a good, I felt like a good month of getting into our identity, who we are in Christ, and seeing about how the flesh is beatable. You know, as you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The irony is that what the Scripture says in Romans 8, 3, it says, we're still fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law, but we're not doing it under the law. We're not doing it in an old letter. We're doing it in a newness of spirit, all right? We're accomplishing the thing we tried to accomplish before, but we're doing it a different way. We're doing it as we're walking in the spirit. So we're getting to where we always wanted to be, but we're doing it in a new and living way that we needed, right? He said, it is absolutely necessary. You know, the law of the spirit of life isn't just a backup plan when, when your willpower doesn't work. No, you need the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. We need his power. We need his strength to live for him. So that was really kind of the series that we're coming off of. But it, it demonstrates a problem and an answer and uh, I wanted to dovetail because I, want, because I feel like even a message like that, you kind of learn different things, and we learned about setting your mind on things above and how that you know, feeds your spirit and strengthens you and gets you spiritually minded and um, you know, just the different ways of how that works under the hood and kind of things that we already know and how they may fit in with that big picture of what it means to walk in the spirit. And we're going to kind of take that same idea, that same thought, but we're going to take it in another direction. And that's this direction, because we find that we're not only just wrestling against the flesh issue, but there's another wrestling match. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we, against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. New Living says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we can see we got another battle. Yeah, what the Apostle Paul said, there is a law of sin and death in my members that wars against the law of my mind. That's the battle of the flesh we'll talk about. But there is another battle that we have, apart from just a mortal body that's fighting us. There are real powers and principalities. There is a spirit, there's a real spirit realm also that is coming against us, that we're having to deal with, that we're having to wrestle against, Okay. And uh, the Apostle Peter puts it this way, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. New living against, day alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So we can see that there's another uh, front, another battle that we have as believers in this world, and that is against a real spiritual foe. Now, you'll notice the, Peter doesn't describe the devil as God's enemy. He describes the devil as your enemy. You know, the devil is not everybody's enemy. If you're in his kingdom, you're not his enemy. You're on the same terms. You're the same. He doesn't care about you. He's a cruel taskmaster. But it's when you come over into the kingdom of God's dear son, you get born again, and you have the authority that he gives you, he's coming after you. You're his enemy. Watch out your great enemy, the devil. He's coming after you. He, is, he sees you the way he'll see God as a threat to his kingdom. When you're over here and you're 
hating God without hope and without God in the world, you're not a threat to his kingdom. You know, in that sense, you're not his enemy. But over here, when you realize, man, there really is a God, and he really does love me, and I really can be born again and forgiven, saved, free. I got a message. The gospel's true. That's when you become a threat to his kingdom. That's when you become his enemy. That's when, you know, there's something about you that he's insecure about you. There's the message. There's the light of the gospel that he's having to deal with. And so we see that we've got this battle. And it is important to realize that, um, you know, it is distinct from the flesh. They can feel a lot alike. They can sound a lot alike. And we'll get into some different things later about discerning the difference. But they do, there's a lot of similarities because the enemy plays on the flesh a lot of times in the way that he'll operate and the way that he'll function. But it's important to understand that there are things, there are spiritual attacks. You'll see the Apostle Paul. He's tearing it up for the kingdom of God and then all of a sudden some people will stir up trouble and run him out of town and you know different things like that where the enemy is going to go and try to stir up stuff, stir up strife and just cause chaos, strife, confusion. That's what he'll do. I mean, sometimes you might think, you're going about your day and some weirdness things happen. And you're saying, oh, maybe you might find yourself saying out loud sometimes, what are the odds? You kidding me? Well, the odds might be better than you realize sometimes. Because you have an adversary who's doing things with timing and will attack at certain times to try to um, scare you, dissuade you, get you off your faith, get you off your focus. So there is this battle that we've got. But in the same way that we have a promise as it relates to the flesh, yeah, that's a messy part. Wrestling, dealing with the flesh, but there's a promise, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Praise God. We're not stuck in Romans 7. We've got victory. And I'm telling you what, I don't know if you've been kind of walking some of this out you know what? We've been just teaching and ministering for the last month, declaring who you are in Christ. At the point of temptation, I consider myself to be dead to sin. Not someday, not when I break my record of not doing that thing. Now, I am dead to sin because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I reckon myself to be dead unto sin. This is not a success of my consecration. It's a spiritual reality. And when I attack that temptation at that point of identification, and it loses the identification battle over me, then it loses the behavior battle over me. But we realize that we had to win that thing. We got to win it at the, who we are in Christ, new creation now. There's something about the now reality of these truths. Again, you can kind of know about them, but when they become real and you begin to declare it and truly consider yourself to be dead unto sin, then something begins to break in the spirit. And there is a promise when I walk in the spirit, I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I walk in the identity of the new creation, I don't fulfill the identity of the flesh. There is powerful things that begin to happen here. You know, we can know things almost in a two-dimensional way. Okay, I'm a Christian, I got this promise, cool. But when you begin to continue in the word of God, and you begin to meditate, and you begin to declare it, and you begin to own it, you begin to consider it, you begin to declare it, you begin to believe it, it goes from a little two-dimensional truth to a three-dimensional reality. And you begin to see some things. Things you've been knowing your whole life, but they become alive. There's a revealing, there's an un unveiling by the Holy Spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and you see something. 
you see the power that's working toward you as a believer. You don't just theologically know it's there. You see it, and you believe it. You begin to walk in it. You begin to walk in a little bit of it and think, man, I can walk in more of this. This word is true. I walk in the Spirit. I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, there's another great promise that's true. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So then, surrender to God, stand up to the devil, resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Wow, what a tremendous promise. Just as sure as when I walk in the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from me. That's a pretty powerful promise. And what did we do last month when it came to Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We took a month. We went under the hood of what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? We had a lot of different pieces about that to get free and to understand how we walk free from the, from the lust of the flesh. And that's what we're going to do kind of this month, you know, at least for two or three more Sundays. We're going to take that same truth and go under the hood of what does it mean to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So we're just simply entitling this walking in your authority this first one, very much kind of like the one we started with before, only here it's human strength versus spiritual authority, okay? Last month when we were looking at the, you know, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, we were looking at willpower versus spirit power, you know? Now we're looking when it comes to our battle against the enemy, human strength in this battle versus spiritual authority in this battle. And you're going to be able to tell some ways that you're slipping over into human strength sometimes. There's some key ways to, to locate yourself in that. But so we're going to get delving into it this morning, walking in your authority, human strength versus spiritual authority. So what's my goal again, heart for this? We're going to look at some things, again, very much in the light we looked at other stuff last month, because there's some amazing parallels that we have in winning the battle of the flesh, in winning the battle over the enemy, taking our authority. So the first thing that we want to look at in terms of this dynamic, you know, human strength, spiritual authority, and um, I think last time we likened it to like a tug of war with the law of sin and death. If it's my willpower versus the law of sin and death, we, we can't win that. That's what the law was there to show us. We can't win that tug of war game. We needed Jesus. But when it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus love and death, we can win that, that tug of war game. Well, there's kind of a same revelation that we're getting here too. I can't just win this battle against the enemy in my own human strength, but I'm really smart. I'm really clever. I've been around the block. I know a lot. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you think you know. In your own human strength, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do zero. So, when we try to go up against the enemy in our own sense of wisdom, you know, really what we're doing is we're, we're going against him in our own human strength. But thank, praise God, not only did he release the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but he released an authority that he's given us as believers. But we're going to take a look at this paradigm first of all. Walking in your authority. You got stuff bombarding your mind could be spirits of fear, could be those demonic mind games, all that kind of stuff that goes on. What do you do? How do you handle it? Well, the first thing we have to understand in terms of walking in our authority is, first of all, dealing with the problem of human strength, okay? 
we got to realize that just in our, again, in our own ability, in our own might, there's reasons we can't do it. And let's just take a look at a few obvious scriptural reasons for this. James 1 uh, puts it this way, human anger really has no authority. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Um, the Passion says, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. In other words, you know, we, a lot of times human anger is a tool that we'll try to use to control and manipulate human beings. We can use human anger to try to make people afraid of us and fear us and all that kind of stuff and use that anger as a, a tool. That stuff doesn't work against the devil. If you're used to controlling a situation through anger and your own human personality or something like that, and you've got demonic principalities working against you, they love you to get angry. They love you to get riled up. Outbursts of wrath is their specialty. The more riled up, the more angry you get, the more, the more you play into that demonic wisdom, the more you play into their hands. The wrath of man, anger, doesn't have the authority to resist the devil. There is no spiritual power in my human anger that's going to make the devil say, wow, he's really mad. We better get out of here. He won't respond to that. Again, little tricks that we might use to try to manipulate each other, they don't work in the spirit realm. You need real spiritual authority. It's because spiritual things are real. If this is just all a religious show, then, yeah, people just live and do some little religious things, but this is real. And there's real authority that we have in him. But we've got to realize some areas, and I, I kind of bring some of this stuff out so we can kind of catch ourselves. Because I'm just saying... This is what happens to all of us. When you get that, the way um, Paul described it, he said, you know, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet to me. And that's the way it feels like when Satan comes. It's a buffeting. The word buffet simply means to strike with repeated blows. Okay? And you get that, you get angry. It doesn't feel good. Whatever that, you know, spiritual attack is, it's repeated. And it can provoke an anger. It can provoke a human anger. And it's tempting to want to somehow get angry or, you know, but to realize there's no authority there. Satan isn't going to be afraid or intimidated by our anger. So another aspect, not only is our human anger not going to be sufficient in terms of our human strength, but our human reasoning. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and do not lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. But it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. This is another shortcoming of our human strength when we're trying to fight these spiritual battles. In other words, you know, James is saying there are, there are battles that are going to be going on in your head, mind games, demonic mind games that are going to make you think up is down and down is up. And he says, glory not. That means don't get excited. You're not getting a revelation from God here. I don't care how convincing it sounds. I don't care how the dots connect. If you've got strife and confusion, you've got strife and envy, it's confusion in every work. That's not the way God talks. That's not the way he communicates. We were talking the other this weekend about uh, pilots and flying. 
and I had heard a, a statistic, I can't remember the exact number, but a human being can only be in the cloud for so many seconds before they will lose orientation. You know, this is about learning how to fly instruments on a plane. In your natural human perception, if you get in a cloud, you are not going to know what's up and down or right or left. You're going to lose that sense of direction. You're bearing just because you are restricted in your humanity. You can only do that for so long. And it's the same way too. When you're flying in these demonic clouds, the clouds of demonic wisdom, you can't just you versus demonic wisdom and keep your bearings. There will be things that will happen that will, um, that will absolutely make you think up is down and down is up. I mean, that's, that's a weird thing. You're in a plane. I've, I've heard pilots talk about this. I'd heard, uh, I'd heard a pilot talk about it years ago, you know, back in the olden days when they had the uh, old natural physical instruments, you know, and you have that horizon line. And you're flying in the cloud, and your horizon line says you're off, but you feel like you're flying up. And it, he said it would be the hardest thing in the world to turn that plane because you feel like you're going against what's right. He said sometimes he just put his head between his legs for just like a couple of seconds and then look up and get, for, okay, okay, you know, to try to re get his bearings because you're so convinced that you're right and you're not. This is a problem with human reasoning when you're trying to fight the devil and you're flying in those clouds of demonic wisdom. You're going to be so sure you're right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm right. Ugh. I'm just saying. <laughs> the wisdom that's from above, the very next verse says, it's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits. There's no partiality. There's no hypocrisy. And it's so in peace of them that make peace. There's no exploiting the other guy and minimalizing my stuff. That's just not in the God's wisdom. That's not his voice. But we fly around in that stuff. That'll get us turned around. That's why he says, glory not. Isn't that an interesting admonition? Don't get proud. You're not getting a revelation from God here. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And so we find out that if I'm going to do battle against these things, I'm going to need some kind of horizon line that's outside of my natural mental perception my natural human history. Do you understand? Demon spirits have been playing men for thousands of years. You might think, you know, there's something unique about you, but I'm telling you what, he's seen you before. And there have been people like you that he's overcome, and there have been people like you that have overcome him. And so we got to realize our enemy. When he's done, when you're done, he's, he's just on the next person. And the next person, the next person, the next person. That's who's playing you. Somebody who's already been playing human beings for many years. So you realize this thing. What do I, we got to come to a conclusion here. In the same way we came to that conclusion, I can't save myself. I can't live for God without the power of God. I can't resist the devil. I can't win this battle without the power of God. There's a humility that same childlike humility that we came to to get saved, the same childlike humility that we had to to begin to walk in the Spirit 
is the same childlike submit yourself to God. First things first, humility. It's a conclusion that we got to come to. But you got to come to the end of yourself at some point. And you got to realize, look, I don't care how smart I think I am. I need God. I need his help. I need something that can reach into that spirit invisible realm and push back that pressure and push back that fear, push back. There is something that can hit spirit to spirit. But just in my natural mental human reasoning, no, it's not going to happen. And finally, this just point of just kind of the limitations of human reasoning, human understanding needs help. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. A lot of us are familiar with this passage. Tremendous promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You'll notice that it's not your understanding that defeats anxiety. In fact, your understanding is being protected. You're casting your cares in the Lord and there's a peace that passes your understanding. That's what, it's keeping your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. It's keeping it in that place of spiritual mindedness in him. But you see, when it comes to anxiety, even versus understanding versus anxiety, it's not our understanding, it's the power of God, it's the peace of God that breaks that anxiety off our mind. And it keeps our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So what are we saying? We're limited as human beings. And maybe this just seems obvious, but we need to, State the obvious. It's kind of like, you know, if I was an evangelist, I'd be making the case that we're all sinners. But here, as believers, I gotta, I'm just making the case that we need God's help. We can't do this in our own strength. We need to be intentional about submitting ourselves to God and getting help and grace. So, from the problem of human strength to the promise of spiritual authority. This is really where I want to get to. And again, this is really just more of an setting a stage for where we're going. I just really want to uh, just establish the fact that, man, in the same way we've got promises to defeat the lust of the flesh, we have promises to resist the attacks of the enemy. Here's our promise of spiritual authority. And this is what I'm going to do. We're just going to kind of go under the hood the same way we did uh, regarding uh, the flesh again. Romans 10, 9 says, when we... Uh, It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, what does that mean? It means when that point happens, it says he's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Praise God. So I'm just confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't even know much Bible. I don't, all I know is I need Jesus. But behind the scenes, a lot of stuff is happening. All right? Like we've said, we've kind of used the, the, the cross. You have the cross here, this side of the cross. And again, it's no reflection on people sitting on this side of the auditorium. All right? <laughs> Came up in a conversation. So, um, All right. So if you're on, let's say this before Christ, we're saying this is kind of BC in your personal life before Christ. You know, you don't know the Lord. All right? But you call upon the name of the Lord. You see your need for a Savior. And... What happens is exactly what Jesus said would happen to Nicodemus. You must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So a bunch of cool stuff happened to you. When you just called upon the name of the Lord, you were delivered from the power of darkness, this kingdom of darkness, and you were conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In other words, you could say it this, we changed kingdoms. 
That's why it's such a big deal when you declare Jesus is Lord. You understand? He's not Lord over here. This isn't even his kingdom. When you say Jesus is Lord, you are relinquishing the authority of that kingdom. You're surrendering yourself to the work that Jesus did on your behalf. And he does something powerful. He causes you to be born again, a new creation. The old previous moral condition passed away. You are now in the kingdom of God. Satan had an authority over you here that he doesn't have over here. Let's take a look at some things that happened on the cross. Again, this is revisiting a little bit last month. These are some cool things that happen when you call upon the name of the Lord behind the scenes. It says, therefore, if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. The old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Like we said before, over here, you had, you had a double problem with sin. You were living in an immortal body, you know, that was, had the law of sin and death in it, but your very nature, your very spirit being was corrupted by sin. Your very nature was full of sin. It was, that's the condition that we were born into. When we got born again, something happened. My old identity, my old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah. It no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, I came, I started over here with two problems, a problem in my flesh and a problem in my spirit. When I passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, I, I, my spiritual, my, my physical mortal body survived the journey, so I still have the law of sin and death that I'm dealing with. But that old spiritual nature didn't survive the journey. It died. The fresh and new has come. I'm born again. This is not a happy thought to make me feel good about myself. This is a powerful spiritual truth that I continually consider and identify with that makes me free from the law of sin and death. So it's a, it's a truth. So something didn't survive that. That old moral previous condition. My spirit crucified with Christ, born again, new creation in Christ Jesus. And again, like we said, it's kind of, you know, sometimes we think because I'm still dealing with the pull of my body, nothing really changed from there to here. Yes, something's really changed. Your old previous moral condition got crucified. That inward part of you that was not child of God, that was child of the enemy, child of the devil, because we were born into that sinful condition, became child of God. You were really changed. That's an important spiritual distinction. Because if you feel the pull of your body and say, well, I guess nothing's changed. I still have the same old you know, list of the laundry list of the flesh. No, it's different over here. Again, I don't want to re-preach that whole message, but it's different over here. You have power over here. You have a new identity over here. There is things that we're doing over here that we can walk in the Spirit that makes the flesh beatable over here. Something else happened. You he has made alive together with him. Talking about this passage from, from sin unto righteousness. He's forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, having taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Praise God. I'm not under the law over here. I'm not under the oldness of the letter over here. I'm under a newness of the Spirit. It is very different. I think different. When you think like a new creation, when you begin to get new wine thinking in your heart and your mind, you begin to change the way you see yourself. In other words, the old law-based thing says, I shouldn't do that. 
the new Christian base saying, I don't need that. I'm dead to that. I'm new. I don't need it. I, I am a new creation. I believe that. As long as it's, I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, but I ought. Uh. There's a new way of thinking. I am new. I am dead to that because Jesus broke the power of that. And I am, it's really true, I really am dead to it. I really am a new creation. The fresh and new has come. In other words, it's not delusional to say that. It's true because you really are new. The fresh and new has come. So this is an important distinction to understand this. This is a big part of walking free from the power of sin, getting that identity battle on. But this is where we want to bring it to now where we're going. Not only, this is the very next verse after 2 Corinthians 2.14, 15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, his cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Passion. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon of their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. What happened here? Jesus destroyed, disarmed those spiritual rulers and powers. Do you understand? Before he died on the cross, they were not disarmed. When he died on the cross, they became disarmed. Something changed in the realm of the spirit when that sacrifice was made. So I'm over here. Again, my physical body survived the journey, all right? And I'm sharing time and space on a planet where there are fallen beings and demonic powers and principalities. So I'm still subject to attack, right? But over here, like I said, in the same way we had a double problem with the flesh, we had a double problem with the devil. We were in his kingdom with mortal bodies, and we were, we were by nature the children of wrath. So he had a legal authority over us. But when I declared the lordship of Jesus, that authority he had over me, who was crucified with Christ, was broken, and it disarmed his authority over me. Yeah, he can still attack and harass and go about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but I don't have a double problem over here. I only have a single one. I'm going to have an attack. I'm going to have the enemy. But he doesn't have authority over me. I'm not in his kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of God's dear son. That's a big deal. That makes the devil beatable in the same way that your flesh is beatable. He... he, he made it from a twofer to just a single battle. You just got that one. Now, do you still have a problem with your flesh over here after you're born again? Yeah, you do. But praise God, we can walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body as we begin to consider ourselves to be alive unto God and dead unto sin. Same thing over here when it comes to the devil. In the same way your flesh is not unbeatable, the devil is not unbeatable. There's a lot of lying that the devil does. That's the thing that Jesus credited the devil for being a father of lies. He got the biggest marks on being a liar. That means he's really good at it, subtle from the garden. And he's going to lie 
and say, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. You are un unable to beat him. If you've been born again, you can beat him. you got the power. you got the authority in Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks. We're going to be going under the hood and very specifically how, in the same way, how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we walk in that authority? How do we begin to take authority? And the cool thing that you're going to begin to recognize is some of those loud voices and things, and they're not going to scare you the way they used to. You're going to recognize them. Go, oh, that's what that is. Man. Wow. He might be, you know, just because he roars, just because something's on volume 10 doesn't mean it's true. And so we're going to look at some of these things. We're going to, we're going to see not only did Jesus, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, a couple, two more scriptures left. As Jesus was raised from the dead, and Carla got into this last week actually, he was raised from the dead, God seated him, the Father seated him at, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he not only, we were not only co-crucified with him with our old man, but he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all power and principality. He raised us up. That's past tense. It doesn't say he's going to raise us up someday. He raised us up. It's amazing how God can do things. Isn't that an amazing thing? How, you know, you only got saved however many years ago, and yet in the mind of God, you were his workmanship, and he ordained works before time began that you're going to walk in now, before you even were born. That's the great thing. God, Alpha, Omega, all side, not constrained by time. He can do this amazing stuff spiritually. And one of the things that he did, he raised us up together. He made us sit together in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, when I'm breaking the power of sin, I identify. How do you identify? I identify as a new creation in Christ Jesus. I identify as a child of God. I identify as the old passed away, all becoming new. I identify one who is dead unto sin. The choice is mine. I could, I could yield my members as instruments of righteousness or instruments of unrighteousness. But there's a respect in the word. It's talking to new creations. You're free. You're not a debtor to your flesh. You're not a, now you're not a debtor to your flesh. You don't owe it anything because you are a new creation. It's who you are. You begin to believe things, spiritual truths in a way that you see it for what it is. And all of a sudden it gets in between how you feel and who you are. You know, that layer of the feelings has to come out. That's what the word does. It divides your soul and your spirit. It, dis, it divides how you feel and who you are. And these truths are going to have that power effect, I believe, over the next few weeks. We're going to begin to divide how we feel and who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And some of them lives are going to be exposed in different ways. But we can see that he raised us up together. He's given us that authority. So in the same way that I resist temptation from a place of being the new creation, when I'm resisting the devil, I'm resisting the devil from a place. In other words, when it becomes real to me that I'm a new creation, my flesh isn't nearly as intimidating. 
when it becomes real to me that those powers and principalities were disarmed in my life as a child of God, and I have been raised with Christ, and I am resisting him from heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and those things are disarmed, what's happening? Perspective is beginning to happen. You're beginning to see how big God is and how little the enemy is in relation to God. You've got to submit to God first. But as you get in that perspective, it's like, wow. And that's what the Bible says is going to happen in the end. You know, people are going to look at Satan and say, that's the man who deceived the nations? That guy deceived him? He had the power of deception. Get you to believe a lie. But you realize who you are in Christ. You realize what you have. My goodness, I am in these heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I got, in the same way I got the flesh to deal with, I got the devil to deal with, but it's a one. It's a one battle with my flesh. The old previous moral sinful condition was nailed to that cross. Yeah, I still deal with the attacks of the devil, but not the two attacks. He has no authority over me. Only thing he can do, the only, the only authority that he'll have in my life is what he, he, is what he gets me to buy into. That's it. But he doesn't have that authority. He doesn't own you. You know, you're, you're up from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. This is, you are like on God's turf. This is his place. And oh, the only way he can try to get access to you is to trespass because he doesn't belong there. You are not his. The Bible says that you were bought with a price. God bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You belong to him. And there's an identity battle that you're going to get. I believe we're all going to get as we're going forward that we're resisting, you know, we're resisting from a place because this is kind of the, the final scripture. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not going to be human strength. We're going to have to change the way we think. In the same way, resisting sin could be the old law-based letter of the law. We had to come unto a newness of spirit. We're accomplishing the same thing. We're fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law, but we're doing it a different way. We're doing it through the power of identification of who we are in Christ. And we're declaring who we are. We're standing our ground. There's going to be a newness of the spirit here that we're going to come into when it comes to resisting the devil. These weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but look at this. They're mighty in God. Here we got that God part again, right? This isn't me versus the devil. That's not going to go well. But you in God, submitting to God, being who you are in Christ, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself. Look at these promises. Strongholds, arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I mean, this is so... When you think of the flesh battle, is there any work of the flesh that we're supposed to just be in bondage to the rest of our life? No. He came to redeem us from every lawless deed that we may be his own special people zealous for good works. In other words, there's no work of the flesh that was left unchecked at the cross that we just have to be in bondage to. He covered it all. Same here. There is no power. There's no principality. There's no thing that we have to be bound to. He takes, we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That shield of faith quenches some of the fiery darts, all the fiery darts of the devil. We resist the devil. He will flee from us. What is this message this morning? It's a promise. In the same way I've got a promise that I can be free from the pull of the flesh, I can be free from that roaring lion. I can be free from the one who's going to try to stir up things. There's a lot of different ways. We'll look in the word different ways the enemy attacks, and you can see the distinction between the flesh and the devil, but 
I'm just saying that to say this. However that works out or plays out in your life, we don't have to be afraid of the devil. He, we don't belong to his kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. And we're going to find out what God has given us in the same way he's equipped us to overcome and put to death the deeds of the flesh. He's equipped us to resist the devil. So when, we, when I hear resist, it's going to mean something. Because we've all been there. We're trying to resist the devil, resist the devil. Man, I've resisted him about a thousand times. He just doesn't go away. Resist, 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 resist. And what happens when you're doing something? You'll get tired. Human strength will get tired. And it's not that your theology is wrong. Necessarily. I'm saying necessarily. But many times, it's just that little extra time of submitting to God. That little extra time Almost like we did here with communion. Remember, where do we come from? Man, God loves me. Oh, wow, yeah. We got to do that, too, when it comes to our authority. A little extra time of remembering what Jesus did to those powers and principalities, those convincing demonic uh, wisdom arguments in your head. But there's weapons for that. There's an ability to overcome that. So this morning, it's more, it's just kind of a message of hope. Have you felt bound by a spirit of fear? Have you felt bound by different things, arguments, situations that you just can't seem to get under or over on top of them. Things. Those are, this is area, again, the, the demonic realm's real. We've got to understand that. It's great. We want to overcome the flesh and all that stuff, and we will. And I'll tell you this, if you're overcoming the flesh, if you are really walking in the identity of the new creation and putting to death the deeds of the body, the enemy's arsenal against you becomes greatly restricted. In other words, when he's throwing, you know, when you've got the, the poles of the body and you, you know who you are in Christ as a new creation, you know, sometimes he, he'll just have to try to stir up other people to stir up. He'll do, because he, he has a harder time getting to, he'll do different things. It doesn't matter what his tactics are. He'll, you can quench all the fiery darts of the devil. When you resist him, he will flee from you. In other words, where you've had fear, you'll have peace. You'll lay your head down at night on the pillow with a smile on your face. And you'll be able to say, when I lay down, I will not be afraid. When I lay down, my sleep will be sweet. Because he has set his love upon me, I will deliver him. I will be with him in trouble. No matter what's going on, the Lord is my shepherd. Prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's a peace. There's a knowing. There's a discerning. Because the same Jesus that destroyed the power of sin destroyed, disarmed every roar that would come against me. And he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus just for what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, we're still, we're still taking it in. We're still wrapping our hearts around what you've done for us in Christ. And Father, that's just my prayer in this series that as we begin to go under the hood, of what it means to walk in our authority, that we will get some very basic pieces in place that will be unshakable from our hearts in the same way as that new creation begins to be unshakable, transformed by the renewing of our mind. The disarming of those powers and principalities becomes unshakable, raised up together with you, seated in heavenly places becomes unshakable. Who we are in you the greater one. Oh, Father, we just thank you for the amazing hope we have in you that we, you tell us to resist the devil because we 
can resist the devil because you've given us the ability to resist the devil. I pray that you show us throughout your word in these next several weeks what that looks like in real life. I thank you, Lord, for the captives and the bondages and the junk that's going to get exposed and for just the freedom and the peace, the joy coming into the full color of who we are in Christ, being who we are in you, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. We just commit these services to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So that's just more of a, again, kind of a groundwork dovetailing off of the, some of the ground we've already been over and just seeing, you know, there's a lot of parallels. Jesus did a lot of amazing things at the cross and a big part of walking in the newness of the Spirit is when those truths become real in a way at the point, like we said, at the point of the inflection point of temptation, I'm declaring that identity, at the inflection point of the attack of fear, we're going to be doing some newness of the Spirit stuff that's going to break some things according to the Word of God. Amen? Praise God.